Lots of praying going on here. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Lord, I just thank you for my brother Tim. I thank you that he's starting this new program. Lord, be with him. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. Give him the words to say. I just ask that our hearts are really open to hear this message, Lord. And, you know, when the Holy Spirit taps on you and gives you a little nudge, don't ignore it. Just be open to it because the Lord wants to change. And these changes are good. They're positive. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes we've got to dig deep and open up things in our lives that we may not necessarily want to face. That may be you today. If that's you, Lord, that's you, then let the Lord do his thing and heal you of that pain or help you and support you during the times of difficulty. And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Jubilee Church Shepparton and a happy new year if I haven't had a chance to say that to you personally. Today we're starting a brand new series in, are you okay? in Isaiah. And the title is Light or Dark, Your Move. This is going to be a good series for us as a church. It's going to be a good series for us as individuals. And we're at the start of a brand new year. And this year is going to be full of adventures. It's going to be full of opportunities. It's going to be full of challenges. You know, we're going to face good times. We're going to face tricky times. Why? Because that's what happens every year, right? That's what happens every year. And as we're setting off out of the starting blocks for this year, we want to look at this series. And we think the series is going to be a healthy reorientation for us. Okay, life is busy and we want to be a people equipped for what God has planned for us to do. Not just on Sundays, but throughout our daily walks, whether we're, um, whether we're at home, whether we're working, whether we're parenting, when we're socializing, when we're being neighbors, you know, when we're relaxing, we want to be equipped for what God has in store for us to do. And Dave reminded us in his introduction in the new sheet to this series that in the Christmas time in the series, we looked at Isaiah 9, got a few verses in there that told of the birth of Jesus. You know, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. We looked at that together. And a few verses up in Isaiah 9, 2, it says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. We are in a time when a great light has dawned. Do you know that? We are in a time when Jesus has come and this wonderful great light has dawned. But there's still darkness in our society. There's still darkness in, in culture. And, we, you know, still, and culture still reflects this. But we are still living in a time when a great light has dawned. So light or dark, your move, whether every day, every moment, we often face choices to either choose to walk in the light or choose to walk in something that we just give into our sinful nature and default to doing things that wouldn't bring honor to God. So our encouragement for us as we launch into this series is that we want to be a people 
who walk in the light. We want to walk together in that. And so today we're going to be looking at chapter one. And um, I, I just want to let you know, just have a mental s- uh, note right now, that in, in not too long, I'm going to go real deep and real heavy real quick, okay? And, and you'll see, in it, there's a point to it, but I just want you to just, I guess, a mental health note around that. So mentally, you know, strap yourselves in because we are going to dive real quick, real deep, real heavy emotionally in just a moment. And so we're going to be looking at chapter one in its entirety. And Isaiah means the Lord saves. Okay, and, and he primarily wrote this to the southern kingdom, as Dave shared in the, in the news sheet. And the, at this point in time, the southern kingdom, who's the tribe of Judah and the, the capital city, Jerusalem. At this point in time, the northern kingdom, which makes up the other ten tribes, is, is a generation or two away from being carted off into exile. Th- they're ahead of the southern kingdom. They're going to be taken into exile by, by the Assyrians. And so a few generations, the remaining free population, as it were, of Israelites remain in Judah. Most of us, probably at some point in our lives, have had to give someone bad news. Okay, and there's lots of ways, and I guess in terms of good things about how you do that, and bad ways about how you give p- people bad news. But what happens here is that Isaiah spends around 40 years of his life talking to four different generations of kings uh, and the people and tells them to turn away from their ways. And at the same time, God also, as he's a prophet, hears from God and tells this to people, points to the future of what uh, there's hope to come. Yeah, there's hope to come. And we know that we've looked at some of those verses. So here we go. I'm going to pray before I we go real deep. Father, I just thank you for Matt's prayer, actually. I pray that, I pray again into that, Lord, that I pray as we bring this message, we look at chapter one, we look at this season of light or dark, your move. Lord, I pray that you would be with us, that you would equip us, and Lord, that in all of this, Lord, you'd be working out for the good of those who love you and serve you. Lord, that you would work all these things through in our hearts where there's stuff that needs to be done, Lord, for your benefit, for your kingdom's benefit, and for the benefit of those around us. Lord, would you bless us and be with us right now? Amen. Okay. So I want you to think of this. I want you to think that, I want you to imagine that you're married, okay? And you are in a happy relationship with your spouse. And uh, things are good. You enjoy company together. You have fun. Life is going well. And I want you to imagine that you find out that your spouse has had an affair. Okay? I want you to consider that they've given themselves emotionally and physically to somebody else. How do you feel? Is there any way back? What might that look like? And I don't know what different people's stories are in this room, and so we're not making light of this. There's a point that I'm going to come to around this. But I want you to imagine that there was some 
in within you, you found the strength to reintegrate them back into your into the marriage, reintegrate them into uh, your life, find strength to you know love them again, forgive them, move past this, reconnect with them physically, reconnect with them emotionally. in light of the fact that maybe this affair wasn't a secret. Maybe family members know, or friends are aware, or you know, even perhaps the neighbors are aware of it. And yet you defend them, and you say, we're moving forward, we're moving past that. And I want you to imagine that you find out that they've done it again. It's not the same person. It's with someone completely different. It's another person. They have given themselves to emotionally and physically all over again. How would you feel then? I feel really uncomfortable and it would make me like, you know, just even talking about it is heavy. And why am I saying this? What a weird way to start a message on a Sunday morning. Yeah, what a weird way you might say. And I'm saying this because I want to really stress the relationship between God and the Israelites. Okay, this is the point about God and the Israelites. And by the way, when Isaiah is prophesying to the southern kingdom, at, in a similar sense in terms of the similar generation, in the northern kingdom, there is a prophet called Hosea who is prophesying to the northern kingdom and God called him to marry an adulterous woman, have children with her. And even though during their marriage she would go off and have an affair with different people, God asked him to go after her, come bring her back, you know, redeem her, make her right within the family, marriage all over again. And that happened time and time again. And God was speaking to Hosea to say, this is a visual illustration, a spiritual representation of what it's like for me as God with you as a people, Israel. Uh, there's a Christian author called Francine Rivers who uh, wrote a novelization effectively of that story called Redeeming Love. It's been made into a film. It's worth a watch. It's, it's moving. For a reason, God chose the Israelites to be his people to be uh, the people who were intended to, to share of the good news of who he was to everyone else. He chose them. He chose them. And God made a covenant, a bond, a promise, like a marriage to them. God promised Abraham in Genesis 12 that he would become a father of a great nation and people would be blessed through him. God promised Moses a covenant arrangement of of the giving of a law, a way of which in terms they can live their lives in an honoring way, a law that is full of uh, grace through a sacrificial system that points to the coming of Jesus. And God promised David, the greatest king in Israel, that from his line, a future king would come who would sit on a throne that would never end and that kingdom would continue forever. These are the promises that God made to these, this people. And the Israelites encountered the richest of blessings. 
Okay, the riches of good times, the miraculous works by God's hand, protection and victory against their enemies, healings, provision, guidance, pathways through dried up rivers and dried up seas, and yet each generation faces the decision to walk in the light or walk in the darkness. And so many times they are walking away they are worshipping other gods. They are not fulfilling the requirements under the law. They abandon their loving God. They step out of the marriage bond with him and go after anything else that seems more exciting. Church, do you know that we can experience the blessings of God today and even in the light of all that goodness, choose to do what is wrong tomorrow? And why do I know this? Because it so often happens to me. So often happens to me where I take my grace for granted and I still choose to do what is wrong, knowing I, it is wrong to do. Um, and being human, being only human, isn't a justifiable reason for this. We are more. We are more when we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So we're going to read chapter 1 together, and, and Isaiah is putting this nation of Israel on notice. He is laying before them charges, and he doesn't mince his words, and he doesn't dress it up. And I suppose part of that introduction for us is that you might think, oh, God's being a bit harsh towards these people. But I want you to think about that intro. How would you feel? How would you feel? Because this is what been happening to God generation to generation to generation to generation. So you might think, oh, he's been a bit harsh, been a bit unfair. God's just speaking the truth of how it's come across from his perspective. And, and Isaiah doesn't mince his words. And so as we read it, I want you to consider Isaiah speaking to our generation. How might these words affect and speak to us? And then we're going to share, talk about two different things. So we're going to read it all. Um, I think Elliot's lined up to put the words on the screen behind me. I'm going to read all of it, so he's going to be quick on the draw as he clicks, clicks, clicks through. Get these lined up. Okay. Are we ready? Isaiah chapter 1. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not no, my people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist? In rebellion, 
Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores. Not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with olive oil. Your country is desolate. Your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. Daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread your hands out in prayer, I hide my eyes from you, even when you offer many prayers. I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come, let us now settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She was once full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her. But now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the Mighty One of Israel, declares, I will vent my wrath on my foes and avenge myself on my enemies. 
I will turn my hand against you, and I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your impurities. I will restore your leaders as in days of old, your rulers as at the beginning. Afterward, you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion will be delivered with justice, her penitent ones with righteousness. But rebels and sinners will both be broken, and those who forsake the Lord will perish. You will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted. You will be disgraced because of the gardens that you have chosen. You will be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. The mighty man will become tinder and his work a spark. Both will burn together with no one to quench the fire. Wowee. It's quite a message, isn't it? It's, it's quite strong. And it's powerful to read it all in one flow. As Isaiah brings these, these charges to the people. And so as we kickstart this new series in 2024, there are two challenges I just want to share with us today. Two points, really. Um, we're going to go double-A batteries. Both begin with an A. Hopefully help us remember. Give us a little spark for us across 2024. And the first one is this, authentic believers. God is calling us to be authentic believers. And what we're going to do is just going to go a bit slower, but I'm just going to read through 9 to 16 just again. Because this is where we're going to focus on for this point. By the way, there's loads in here, and I was kind of thinking lots of different other points, but I kind of really tried to refine it, I think, in terms of what God is saying to, what I feel God is saying to us this morning through this. So, 9 to 16. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah is, is a story that every child in Israel would know. Every child would know. It's a, it's a story where this was a city of absolute evil, where absolute atrocities were happening, and God dealt with this city absolutely with justice. Okay, and it's, if you may know, it's in Genesis, and there's a time when, when Abraham is, is pleading for the people there. Saying, Lord, if there's some righteous there, will you save the city? And what happens is that the, the righteous are saved, but the unrighteous are dealt with entirely. Okay? And this is a this is a wake-up call for the nation to say, You are like Sodom and Gomorrah. You are like Sodom and Gomorrah. It should make them have a, a moment to go, Oh my goodness, what's what is he saying? How can we be like them? The most evil city in, in the history perhaps of, of Israel that uh, the people of uh, anyway in their history in Genesis that God's dealt with severely you know there are probably similarities in terms of stories that or not stories but situations in, in our generation in our world that has happened where you go it's like that and you'd go oh my goodness you take stand up and take 
note. As we continue, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord, I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and fat, of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies, your new moon feasts, and your appointed festivals. I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me, and I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Our God is both merciful and just. Yeah, and through his mercy, he provided a way in which uh, the, the people can have their wrongdoings dealt with. He, he put in place a, a substitutionary sacrifice system, life for life. You know, the life of, uh, in this case, animals for the life of, uh, instead of their lives. That's what he put in place. So then when he asked, well, who has asked this of you? He did. God said, this is the way in which you deal with these things. But it's been twisted. The, the intentionality of what was trying to be done has, has changed. You know, this, the, the idea behind what God has put in place is to have, uh, to see hearts stirred to repentance, to seek forgiveness, to say, Lord, I'm so sorry we've done these things. Lord, will you forgive us? Uh, thank you that you provide this way in which we can have forgiveness. And by the way, I'm going to turn away from doing those things again. I'm going to go in the, on the same, different way uh, from where I was going. We're sorry we won't do that again. But this culture has become transactional. It's become distant and notchalant to what God's put in place. Go out, get smashed, fight with the neighbors, visit a temple idol, perhaps visit uh, the temple brothel. Uh-oh, that's against God's law. What are we to do? Oh, but wait, hold on. Ah, yes. I have my get-out-of-jail-free card. I have my get-out-of-jail-free card. Let me just have a look at this. Okay, so for one drunken activity plus one physical or verbal fight plus one false worship plus one sexual immorality, well, that totals two unblemished lambs and one unblemished goat to be sacrificed at the new moon feast. God's grace has been transformed into a fine system. Been tra- this, this generation has transformed God's sacrifice, his, his love, his grace for them into a fine system. It's being misunderstood, it's being misused. What need does God have for burned bulls, burned goats? You know, oh, God's like, oh, I really love charcoal lamb. Thanks for that. Mm. Can you sprinkle some rosemary on top? You know, he is holy. He is holy. He is complete in all of his ways. 
and he doesn't need any of these sacrifices. They're not for his benefit, they're for our benefit. They're for our benefit. Because we're so far away from him, and there must be payment for the wrongdoings, because wrongdoings cannot go unpunished. Because then he wouldn't be just in dealing with these things. And so these people were unappreciative of the heart behind this. And so they were just going through the motions of religiosity. Just going through the motions of doing whatever they want. And their culture illustrates corruption, rebellion, false worship, all of which is false freedom. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. And I've got my get out of jail free card. And so what? And so what? What we need to hear a little bit is the default trap of each generation, I believe, is that we can look back at history and believe that we are superior, that we are better, that we are far smarter, wiser, accepting, and yet each generation faces the same challenges. We can look back at the history here with the fullness of Scripture, starting in Genesis and ending in Revelation, and the rest of history is being unfolded until the return of Jesus, And we can look at them with disdain and an arrogant complex and say, how could they? How could they do that in in what God's done in their lives? And again, I know I do it because I find I do it all the time. Look at them and go, ah, have they done that? And then I end up finding whatever the root issue is that they struggled with, it's most likely that in the week ahead, the root of that issue is what's something that I'm going to struggle with for myself. I was actually imagining, though, as I was writing this, just what would the invert, imagine the reverse scenario where they got to look back in 740 BC, had a little window into 2024, and go, wow, how can this people, this generation, not love the Lord, not worship him with all of their freedoms that they have, all of their liberties, with uh, the safety, the protection, the fact they can go and get food on the shelves, they don't have to pray so much for that provision because it's just there at Tesco's, whatever Tesco's is. You know, what a wonder that they have. How are they not spending more time in prayer or worship? You know, every generation could do it to the reverse generation, to different ones. Look at all their blessings. So what Isaiah said here, and and the Lord spoken through him to this people, you know, it could be said to God to our generation. It could be said to our nation. Even to us here at Jubilee. Are you going through the motions of religiosity? Coming to church becomes a social event in the calendar. We stand up, we sit down, we listen to some worship songs, or we sing some worship songs. We hope the preach is vaguely interesting. We hope for tasty biscuits at the end of the service. And then we doesn't matter what happens during the week. We just go again next Sunday. Have an argument with the neighbors. Well, it doesn't matter. They deserved it. Lying and misleading perhaps at work to get out of trouble. Doesn't matter. Everyone does it. Going out and getting drunk down the pub or at parties. Doesn't matter. I deserve to have a good time. Apathy. These things do matter. These things do matter. 
And God wants us to be authentic, to be real, to choose, to walk in the light, to make godly honoring choices every day and have our hearts orientated to wantness. Hearts orientated to read the Bible, not because we must or we have to, but because as that song we sung earlier said, it is a, it's a light to our path. It is nourishing for our soul. It is true. And it's a way in which, is the written way in which we can get closer to God. Hearts orientated to worship God, not because we just like the music or we like the beat of that song, but because he created everything. He is worthy of all things and he sustains life and he is the answer to prayers. He is the one who knows all of our intimate thoughts, our worries and concerns. And he's the one who says, come to me. Come to me. Hearts orientated to believe that this is true, genuine and can change lives. So that when we pray, your kingdom come, we wholeheartedly believe that his kingdom can come in every situation, every moment, whether in our workplaces, whether at home, whether in our communities, wherever we are. And when we pray for our family and for our friends who don't know the Lord, that, our, that he hears our prayers and that he can soften hearts and he can encourage people towards him and give us the strength to, to share. And then when we pray for miracles, that the Holy Spirit living in us is greater than every illness, sickness, and disease. That it is the power in which every circumstance can see the, the glory of God come. For our hearts to know this, is, this, this message of Jesus is worthy, is true, and is right. And we believe it with all our hearts. We often say that the, the preacher is the first one to hear this message. And it's a season which I'm, I'm leaning into this, say, Lord, I want to have this more for myself because I'm struggling at times. Lord, I'm struggling at times. I'm preaching to you today, and my, yesterday my mother-in-law said, oh, what are you talking about tomorrow? And I was like, blah, 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 like rabbit in headlights. Now, Lord, I want this to be true. For me, I want to know this and to... to to have the security and this to be an anchor for my soul. It's like if you were to do a heart scan right now for yourself, where would you reflect? How would you reflect that you're doing? Because as we start, stand at the start of 2024, you know, we're in our lives and our hearts, there might be dross. And we can ask God to purify us of these things, to equip us for what he's got in store and to help us be reorientated to his way. So that's our first point. This one's going to be a very quick point. That first one's about being authentic, authentic believers. The second point, awestruck believers. And it, it bakes into this first point. But what I absolutely love and what I do adore about our God, for me, is sandwiched right in the middle of these verses. Uh, you know, I did that heavy introduction where effectively saying about how do you feel about someone betraying you that you'd committed to. And that is the experience that our God receives regularly from us, from humanity, from me. But what is worthy of us being awestruck, so to be filled with awe, is found in verses 18 and 19. 
God says, come now, let us settle the matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. In light of all of this, and all of these charges that Isaiah, God speaking through him, lays at the Israelites' feet, that reflects the truth of what's happening around them, and, and it is true what they've been doing, what their generations continue to do, God continues to demonstrate his awe-inspiring love for them. He doesn't waver in his capability to love us. And he chooses to love us rather than you know, a sense of hate drawing an end. He demonstrates his awe-inspiring mercy that he continues to forgive us our mistakes and make us whiter than snow, make us like wool. Even though by, I don't know how you felt at the beginning of that, I'd be feeling I'm done. I mean, I'm done. And yet God in his capacity to demonstrate mercy continues in light of all they've done. He says, let's go again. Let's come and settle this together. And he demonstrates his awe-inspiring grace that he doesn't have to. There's nothing that God needs from us. And if he were to choose to just close a chapter on planet Earth, a chapter on humanity, Right now, he would be able to, and that's his choice. And he wouldn't lose out on anything because he's completely holy and, and glorious in, in all of his ways and totally complete. And he would remain holy and mighty whether we're here or not. Do you get that? Yet through his grace, he extends something to us that we don't deserve. We continue to not deserve and so where there's been betrayal to the commitment that he's made or to the commitment of the Israelites to him through their corruption, through their moral failure, through their neglect, through their false worship, through their apathy, through their seasons of distance, he continues to rebuild, to restore, to fullness, to redeem us to a clean place. And it's all freely offered if we are willing and obedient. In 1 John 1, 9, it says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's his promise to us. It's not a maybe, it's not a perhaps. It's not a where it depends on what you've done. This message is, if we confess, he is faithful and he is just and his justice has been paid through the death of Jesus, his son, on the cross, the one sacrifice made for all time that can cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. God will forgive us, purify us from all of our sins. And that is awe-inspiring. That should help us to be awestruck. So I close this message today I know it's not a message that's been filled with practical application. It's kind of more of an exaltation to us. Okay, Looking as we kickstart this series in Isaiah, two points. I feel like God is speaking to us as a people here to be authentic believers and to be awestruck believers. And I want to just give us space 
for prayer. And there's a space to respond, really. You know, the one who can do heart business is our God. The one who can stir up inside of us is our God. The one who can put a spark in place. The one who can fan within us. The one who is going to help us choose to walk in the light in every day, in every moment, is not the preacher. It's not the worship leader. Is is not the new pastor coming in. It's the power of the Holy Spirit living in that work within each of us. And so here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand if you want to respond to either of these points. And by the way, I'm already standing. So I'm joining with you uh, in responding. And then we're just going to pray into them together. So if, I feel if you want to respond, and, and you'll know as Matt was praying, I think that God hopefully is, we just trust in God if he's laying something on your heart. But if you feel like you've been going through the motions of faith in any way and you want your heart to be reorientated in some way, shared some examples of that. And we trust that God will be placing on your heart about that. And also there's no st- stress or condemnation around it if you you know don't stand or you do stand. You know, ultimately, um, I'm no seasons and like I shared earlier, feel like I'm in a I'm on the edge of a season like that for myself. I'm saying, Lord, I want you to reorientate me and, and, and light my path as I want to move into the fullness of what you've got in store for me in twenty twenty four. So there's no judgment in here because a lot of us have faced this in some capacity. And God's the one who can help us. So we just want to give space for him. So if you want to find that you want to be reorientated in some way in that first point about finding more authenticity in your faith, I'd in, I'll invite you to stand in a moment. And equally, if you just want to find that you want to be more filled with just the awe of who God is and, and what he's done in your life and what he's doing around you and just be taken aback by that and just see him more in that, I just want to encourage you to stand as well. And so that's what we're going to do. Yeah, right now. We don't need to have the band up. We don't need to make an atmosphere. We're just going to give space right now. If, if you want to stand into either of those points and just respond, why don't you do so now? Why don't you do so now? Lord, you see our hearts. Lord, you know where we're at. Lord, we just thank you that you have so much love for us, that you have so much mercy for us, that you have so much grace for us. And and every time that we step out, Lord, you still call us home. You still call us to yourself. Lord, right across this room, Lord, that you can see there are people responding. Lord, and you know what these people are responding to. And Lord, right now, we just ask that your spirit would just descend upon each and every one of us. Lord, upon these people that are responding, Lord, that are standing. Lord, if they're, Lord, I just ask that you would be present right now in this moment, that they would sense your presence here in this moment right now.
Lord, we pray for the first group. Lord, we pray that, Lord, where there are hearts that want to be reorientated, where there is a feeling of going through the motions of religiosity, Lord, we pray that you would make things real right now. Lord, that you would spark hope and, Lord, that you would spark excitement into our hearts. Lord, give us a buzz for you. Lord, that we know this is true, that we wholeheartedly know it. Lord, and that we would chase after everything to do with you in every walk of our life. Lord, we pray, will you spark inside us and fan inside of us where there's, where there's embers. Lord, will you reignite where there's a need for reigniting. And Lord, we just ask that you would set a fire where there's an, a, a need for dryness to be restored. Lord, we pray that. Lord, come now over that group of people. Lord, bless them, fill them, renew them, restore them. Lord, and for the second group that responded, Lord, those wanting to be struck by your awe. Lord, you are holy and mighty. You are glorious. Lord, Keith spoke and came to us and said of like seeing of your glory. Lord, I pray that 2024 will be a year in which the people in this room would see the glory of you in a powerful way. Lord, we pray for more visions. We pray for more prophecies. Lord, we pray for more of your miraculous work in our lives. Lord, that would continue to, to, to just cause us to stand in awe and say, wow, wow. The mighty hand of God is at work here and his kingdom is coming. And his kingdom is here and his kingdom is at work. Lord, let that be true for many of us in this room. Lord, for all those who are responding to that, wanting to be struck by the awe of who you are more. Lord, I pray just as we close, Lord, as we enter a final song of worship, Lord, I pray that you would just anoint this, anoint this time. Seal it over our hearts. Lord, we don't want to flash in a pan and we go from here and it's, and it's disappeared. Lord, let this be lasting. Let it be on strong foundations. And Lord, let your kingdom build upon the work that's been done in this room today. For your glory. Amen.